HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Food is comfort. Food is love. Food is tradition. Food, it takes you back to those, it gives you those warm, fuzzy feelings. And people have a hard time with yeah. you trying to extricate them from those warm, fuzzy feelings, <laughs> even if that's contributing to, mm. to health issues. Yeah. And I have noticed that. Um, that there, I've, had, I've had conversations with people about food here, and they're like, well, that's just the way we do it. And I'm like, but what if you just did that? But no, we don't do it that way. This is, what, And I'm like, okay, I understand that's how you do it. But I'm trying to introduce a new one. And it's difficult yeah. to wrap your head around right. that. So that is definitely a challenge. Yeah. Um, but, but one of the great convincers is disease, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I think if you can make that strong case, then yeah, people, people should see the light. Hi everyone, you're listening to Item 13 Podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Tego. Every week, we'll delve into the world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. I hope you enjoy it. This week, I speak to Cynthia Payan, a professionally trained plant-based chef, a nutritional consultant who specializes in Ayurveda, macrobiotics, raw and living foods, high alkaline and vegan modalities. She is also skilled in allergy-sensitive, gluten-free, and disease-sensitive meals. Cynthia's company, Afkave, recently launched its presence on the continent of Africa and is quickly establishing itself as the go-to company for all things plant-based. We held a spirited discussion in Accra on the benefits of a plant-based diet in the African food context. This episode is a must-listen, especially for Africans and those in the diaspora looking for ways to eat better, while enjoying the flavors of home. Here's our conversation. Welcome to Item 13, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation because one, my relationship with vegetables is no. (laughs) I know, it's terrible. Everybody who knows me knows I don't like eating, especially raw vegetables. It has to be disguised somehow in the food for me to be able to enjoy this. Okay. So I'm looking forward to you convincing me that, okay. you know, raw is the way to go. <laughs> um, so let's start with your story. You are Liberian, Guyanese, San Francisco native, yes. I believe you've yes. lived in New York, yes. Atlanta, I think also, yes. and today we're in Accra. So yeah. how, how did we go all the way? <laughs> well, I am a child of the diaspora. Yeah. I am so proud to be West Indian and West African, and I've always had an affinity to the cultures of the uh, diaspora. And so it's a dream to be actually living on the yeah. continent. 
Um, I was exposed as a child to my father's culture, to my mother's mm. culture, and most people, your introduction to culture is through food. Um, and my mother in particular, that was her love language, was food. Oh. And so um, it was something that I always had an affinity for, obviously. <laughs> and um, I, I started working professionally, went to graduate school, master's in international relations, and started working, and I, it just wasn't my thing. Mm. I just, it just didn't do it for me. And the uh, recession of 2008 hit. I lost my job in the nonprofit world. I couldn't find a job for anything. At one point, I actually sat as close as I am to you across yeah. from Madonna, interviewing to run her organization. Oh my goodness. And that didn't work out. The next day, I was literally at Starbucks applying for a barrister yeah. position. Um, so I, I was desperate and I was grasping. And someone asked me if I would be willing to head up the dining committee at my church. And I was like, well, obviously, I've got nothing else to do, <laughs> right. you know. And I started doing it. And the congregation at that time was probably about three to 400 people. And I was pretty much doing it by myself with the help of a couple of friends, and I loved it. Okay, where was this? This was in Los Angeles, okay. California. I loved it, and the interesting thing about my church, I was raised in Seventh-day Adventist, mm-hmm. and so a large uh, swath of the congregation is vegetarian, non meat eating. Oh. So I had that challenge to come okay. up with something that could feed people, that was inexpensive, and I loved the challenge. So then I thought to myself, maybe this is what I need to be doing mm-hmm. professionally. Went on to Craigslist, looked for a private chef job. Um, this family in Beverly Hills was looking for a chef. I interviewed, I, I auditioned, I went against uh, Tom Cruise's chef and Ellen DeGeneres' chef. No way. They hired me. No way. Yeah. I worked for like two years as a private chef, five days a week, having to come up with a four-course right. dinner. And it was a challenge, but I Loved it. Did they also, were they also interested in the plant-based? Um... The husband was vegetarian. Okay. The wife was not. Okay. So that was the other thing, was trying to create meals that could be supplemented with meat protein okay. if necessary. At that time, I wasn't cooking okay. 100% plant-based. Um, and so then after that, I decided, I don't want to just be good, I want to be excellent. Okay. And that's how I ended up going to culinary school, and in addition to being excellent, I didn't want to cook things that were contributing to people's health problems okay. or death. So that's why I decided to go plant Interesting. And I I wonder, and I think that it's a street, because I think I read this somewhere, that you're a woman of faith. Yes. And so... For, and for me, I am too. And so I think about the progression of those events and just wonder if that wasn't sort of the plan for your life anyway, and then those sorts of trip ups, if you will, mm-hmm. sort of led to what your true calling is. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. One of the things that I like to say that makes me emotional when I think about it is that our lives are mosaics. And if you look at a mosaic up front, it looks like up close, it looks crazy. You've got these broken pieces that yeah. don't match all these different colors. There's like, you know, it's just, it looks random. When you're up close, when you're in the storm, it just, it, you're like, bumping all over the place, but when you stand back and yeah. you look at it, it's like, wow. Yeah, that's such a beautiful way. Yeah. And it's it's a masterpiece. And so I definitely feel like 
I I am a mosaic, a still evolving mosaic, but a mosaic designed by God. Okay. Now that's that's a beautiful way to put it too. Like I've never had anyone put it quite that way before. Um, And then I've also read that part of also what's drawn you to the vegan plant-based lifestyle is health issues with yourself, with your family. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Because later on when we talk about, you know, choosing to eat food that heals, that that's mm-hmm. the way you put it, um, what, how and why that is, like, personally meaningful to you? Well, interestingly enough, one side of my family has health issues. My father is a crewman from Liberia, yeah. and my father is 81, and he walks five miles a day, and... He's fine, but I will tell you that in 1974, my father went vegetarian, which is unheard of. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, wait, wait. (laughs) Um, But on my mother's side of the family, we've had cancer, we've had um, diabetes. My grandfather died of a diabetic stroke at like 46. You know, they're, you know, my mother passed at 58 from cancer. Um, One of my aunts, when she hit 70, she said she got on the ground and did circles. Because she couldn't believe that she had lived to be 70 years old. She's 75 now. Um, But absolutely, I realize uh, that we as people of color, a majority of our illnesses are directly related to diet. And so it's really an easy fix. It has to do with retraining your palate Mm -hmm. and discipline. But if we make changes in our diet, we literally have the, the opportunity to avert so many diseases and prolong our lives. So for me, seeing people with oxygen tanks, seeing people dying in their 50s, you know, being a burden to their family and and the family wanting to be there for them, but, you know, then the person feeling bad, I didn't want that to be, that's that's part of my family legacy that I wanted to end. Okay. Um, That's... First of all, I, I mean, I'm sure you've lived with it and so, but that's just devastating to hear. And then, I mean, we hear that almost all the time, especially in Ghana. I think, I don't know if you remember Komla Dumor dying suddenly. He's um, this Ghanaian BBC, he's based in London. He, he was a radio star here and then he sort of ended up in London. Ran up. He just died suddenly. And I think that was a wake-up call, especially for men here, about eating better, because he talked a lot about how he was trying to change his diet, etc. And so that... No, I would say not just for the men, but for us in general, I think was a big wake-up call in terms of trying to figure out how to better eat while still enjoying our um, local delicacies, yes. if you will. Yes, I have heard about a few people that died in their 30s that had diabetes and didn't realize yeah. it. I mean, that is... And so it, the, it's the perfect bad storm because you have uh, access to healthcare issues and then a bad sure. diet. yeah. There's no reason somebody should be dying of diabetes in their 30s. I mean, that is all diet. And and modern medicine, modern studies have shown that more than carbohydrates, meat protein contributes to diabetes. So. Which is a big, yeah. <laughs> winning Ghanaians <laughs> off of meat protein, I think is going to be a big challenge. But, um, okay, so we talked about sort of your background, the health issues, and mm-hmm. then sort of you falling into professional cooking. Mm-hmm. But then you made the choice then to go to school, yes. if you will, to, to sort of refine your art, yes. your culinary art. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that experience mm-hmm. and how you think that sort of helped you refine what you were already doing before, right? So I'm sure you could sort of went into probably more nutrition, the science behind um, the foods we eat, 
and that sort of thing. Well, it was an incredible opportunity. The Natural Epicurean, which is no longer um, in business, unfortunately, uh, in Austin, Texas, is, is one of the few, uh, pro- was one of the few programs of its kind. Uh, what was funny to me about it, though, was I did not factor in the, the like, the classwork. Like, I thought it was going to be all the time. Yeah. I've been out of school for a minute, yeah. so when I was in class the first few weeks, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I'm not going to be able to make it. But no, absolutely, it was completely thorough. Mm. Uh, I studied Ayurveda, macrobiotics, right. raw cuisine, and it was intensive study. And nutrition, and how you know how you really can fight mm. disease simply with diet. So I came back really... Um, suited with the armor to go out and proactively teach people how to make changes in their life, real life changes that would prolong their lives. And one of the things that I've learned as well is that it is really not difficult. It just takes planning. And what's happened in this modern world is we've gotten so used to convenience. But convenience isn't good for you necessarily. I mean, buying a banana is convenient, (laughs) but you're not going to, like, most of the time... You're going to buy the, like, the little biscuits, or mm. you're going to buy the, I love the up store, yeah. I learned that term. <laughs> you're going to buy the this and that, even though they have, you know, tiger nut and, right. and the velvet tamarind, all those things I've discovered. But convenience is what has really gotten in the way. So one of the greatest lessons I learned from culinary school is preparation okay. and planning. And then when you were there, so this was this was in the States, right? So mm-hmm. were you thinking as you were going through your classes, like, how this then ties back to your background or to, you know, to your Liberian Guyanese um, cuisine and how you're going to sort of translate what you were learning into the foods that you grew up eating. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I've always been abundantly clear on is the contribution that Africa has made to the world mm-hmm. of food. Um, you know, it's so funny. There are so many things that we grew up eating, like yam, yeah. um, like, you know, palm oil, like like, you know, moringa. There's so many things. Also, and a lot of those that are being called now superfoods in the West, right? Absolutely. So I've always been very clear on what our contribution was, and it's hilarious to me that now, like, that's, that's right. all the rage <laughs> in the States. Our issue here is that we go overboard with things like palm oil in moderation. You shouldn't have palm oil Right, because I was day. actually going to ask you what your <laughs> thoughts were in palm oil, because mm-hmm. in the West it's become like a no-no, it's but then here, yeah, I feel like, like you're saying, in moderation, because I think it has, like, all these good um, oh, qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like the West is starting to shun it, and so it's making some people here almost feel like, okay, if I'm going to eat healthy, I won't put, like, I won't even put the little palm oil in my okra soup or whatever because it will cause cancer or, what, or, you know. You know, I, we've been eating it for generations, hundreds of right. years, you know. <laughs> It's not the palm oil. Yes, we should use it in moderation. It's what you're cooking in your palm nut soup. It's what you're fixing with your palm oil. That I, I really believe that that's more of an yeah. issue than the palm oil, yeah. you know? Um, Liberians love, love palm butter soup. And, like, I think that's nectar of the gods. Right. I think it's one of the best things in the world. What is palm, palm butter soup? Palm, it's, it's made from palm nut. Okay. It's the same. It's, it's, it's exactly just the like same. palm nut soup too. here, but... Um, I shouldn't say. I mean, it, it tastes very similar to me. So it's to me, it's a little more savory, a little saltier. But you know, soup and stew here 
It's like chicken, it's smoked fish, it's beef, it's snail, it's grass cutter. It's, it's like, you got like 10 different yeah. meats in this one thing of soup. Yeah. Okay. But speaking of um, Liberian Ghanaian food, can maybe let's take a step back and, and give us a little crash course on Liberian food in particular since we're focused on African food here. I know nothing about Liberian food. So if you could give like for someone who has no idea what Liberian food is, like what are the staples, what Liberian food is very similar. Okay, so you're saying for people that don't know African yeah. food whatsoever, it's it's West African food is incredible. So, and I may mispronounce some things, so don't <laughs> laugh at me. But acheke, okay, like so that's cassava really? fermented. That's very big there to eat it with Interesting. fish. Interesting. I thought that was specifically Ivorian, actually. Well, I, you know, and it may have been a transplant, right. but it's something that's very popular there. Um, Dumbo, which is a type of fufu, but you don't. Chew it, you just swallow Sorry. it. Okay, so that's one. Then there's, then there's regular food. There's country rice, a lot of greens, potato yeah. greens, cassava greens, um, you know, uh, fish. My father's crew from along the coast, mm-hmm. so there's like, well, Liberia's on the coast, but crew people in particular were fishermen. Okay. So there's a lot of fish mm-hmm. in the diet. Um, bush meat is part of the diet, too. That's something I, <laughs> yeah. I'm vegan now. Even before I was vegan, I wouldn't have eaten it. But, um, you know, so it's it's a very nutrient-dense mm-hmm. diet. The starches that are part of the diet are not refined starches. Okay. Um, so your body processes right. them differently. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's basically a healthy diet. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at, at the base of it, most African, or I should say West African, which I'm most familiar with, West African diet, at the base of it mm-hmm. is nutritious. Mm-hmm. It's when you start to add those... Layers Absolutely. of, you know. Absolutely. And then people, once people have access to things from the West, which people see as aspirational, which right. is hilarious to me, the more imports countries have, the developing world has, the higher the disease. Disease, yeah. And it's like there's a correlation right. between these imported foods and disease in yeah. these countries. So... So let's talk about how that all of that then brings you to Accra. You're now in Accra. You're looking to start a plant-based um, restaurant. A plant-based restaurant and a plant-based uh, food product line. Okay. So let's talk about how did you end up in Accra, first of all? Well, I was fortunate to meet a gentleman who is Ghanaian, and he's basically looking for people that wanted to start, African-Americans and Africans of the diaspora, who wanted to come back home and start businesses, start investing in the future of Africa. Because we as Africans and people of the diaspora know the future is in Africa. And so uh, we started to speak to him about our product, and he was really excited because he was saying, you know, health is a real big Mm -hmm. issue on the continent. Because of the issues with access to health care, it's even made it worse. And there are people that have the means to eat healthy lifestyles, but they just don't, it, the products right. are just not there. So that's how we ended okay. up here. And then what does AFCAVE, which is the name? <laughs> it is an acronym for Afro-Carib Vegan. Afro-Carib? Carib. Oh, got it, got it, got it. My like brother and I, oh, got yeah. it. My brother and I, her father, uh, I was trying to think of a name, and we were like, uprooted, and this and yeah. that. And I was like, you know what, Cynthia, you need to just create a name. 
And oh, that's really and clever. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, I love it. And it's, it, it totally encapsulates and encompasses everything. Right. So how long have you been in Accra so far now? How long have you been? Uh, we've been here for about six weeks. I was six here, weeks? Yeah, only six weeks. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But we were here um, for about two weeks a few months ago. Okay. And fell in love. Okay. Fell in love with it. Um, excited to be here. I was sharing with somebody the other day that in the States, one of the greatest insults somebody can give you, besides calling you the N-word, is to say, well, they think it's an insult to say, go back to Africa. Yeah. Did you go back to Africa? Like, that's a bad thing. And I was like, it's not yeah. a bad thing. I'm here. <laughs> Living on the continent is a wonderful Okay, thing. great. Okay, so let's talk about Afkabe then. What is the concept... And like, what have you, in the last six weeks, what have you accomplished? What are the challenges you're facing in sort of bringing together the concept of a nice location, finding people? Tell us about that. So Afkame's goal, our mission is to provide healthy plant-based food products Mm -hmm. to Ghana Mm -hmm. and the continent at large. We want to be the vessel through which healthy foods come into this country and then, you know, go throughout. We want to introduce products from the states that actually are good. But even beyond, before that, we want to identify farmers, small farmers and companies here on the continent that have these superfoods, mm-hmm. that have the raw materials for the products. Yeah. And so we can use those in developing products here. And then we can also assist them in getting these superfoods to the West. So th- that's part of what our okay. goal is, obviously, to create jobs. Um, and the restaurant was something that came about uh, through one of our partners. He said, I really think that we need to have a place where people can come, where they mm-hmm. can just, everybody won't cook, everybody, you know, a lot of people may not even consider buying the products until they, oh, I Actually, tasted this yeah. the restaurant, it's mm-hmm. really good. So our plan is to have uh, a restaurant near Asmara. Okay, yeah. And it's going to be called Afkave Tasting Kitchen. And we're going to feature traditional foods cooked with some of our products. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that afterwards, some of our products. And then we're going to have a whole section that's just going to be like small plates okay. of plant-based. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for myself to like test the theory of whether or not I can go fully plant-based. But no, I think that that's a really good... Um, way to start you know having that brick and mortar i think for place for people to go especially here i think it's good for people to experience that before they can sort of jump on not that it's a bandwagon but jump on on it as sort of a lifestyle thing Mm -hmm. if you will Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if you've met or spoken with um selassie from midunu because she's also big on food sustainability going you know local um so she's somebody that i think would be a great sort of resource for you as you think about about her because of you Oh, <laughs> and so I have been following her, but I haven't been able to connect. Okay. She definitely yeah. is one of the people that She's, I want to. I can definitely introduce you to awesome. us. Like, um, and then you talk about products also. Mm-hmm. Could you speak a little bit about that? For so people? our initial line consists of three products that are um, textured soya. Okay. Um, and so we have a chicken, we have a minced meat, and we have a steak strip. Okay. Yes. We have those three. And um, a few weeks ago, I did a tasting, and we did um, groundnut soup, and we did palm nut. No. Yes, we had rice Oh, bowls, my goodness. 
<laughs> people came over and they destroyed okay. it. Okay. And so I was like, yes. yes. And what I found was I had fixed it a different way before, but fixing it in the traditional soups made all yeah. the difference. Because, you know, you're asking people to do, to, right. that's like a big leap. Yeah. So you, this it's is a lifestyle like a change, right? Yeah. This is familiar. This flavor is familiar to me. This texture might be different, but this flavor mm. is familiar, so I'm more likely to try okay. it. And then I wanted to also ask you, you know, outside of Afkari, since you've been here six weeks, has it been hard finding um, places? Well, I'm sure you cook a lot more because of, I mean, you're a chef yourself. And then, But do you think for people that want to adopt this lifestyle and may not have the time to cook, outside of Afkari, have you found places that maybe provide that fresh food, fresh vegetables, not just as um, the fruits and vegetables themselves, mm-hmm. but, you know, as meals. Mm-hmm. I find that my vegetarian friends have a tough time in Accra, like wow. finding, I don't know if you've, because you, you probably cook more yourself than actually oh, go out, but I don't know if, I find that to be challenging. It's been, it's gotten better, I would say, the last couple of years, but okay. I think I still people find it to go out to lunch, even if you work in the city center mm-hmm. um, and haven't made lunch, to just try to find something that's... I think that there actually are quite a few good options. Um, Coco Lounge has some great salads. No they way. They have some great <laughs> salads. They're like chock full of quinoa. Okay. They're like really yeah. like hearty. They actually have a really great veggie burger that I order like every time I okay. get there. Um, it's a quinoa, it's a quinoa burger. Um, I think quinoa and eggplant maybe. So they have some good things. Okay. We went to a Lebanese restaurant at Marina Mall okay. and had. Oh, I think um, I know. Uh, it's not at the Y. Yeah, yes, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think that you here you may not be able to go to a, a chop. Right, yeah. Chop house or a chop shop, I guess it's called chop house, and find things like that because everything's pretty much cooked up already. But there are options. There there are definitely options. You have to seek them out. But I I haven't felt like, oh my gosh, there's nothing to eat. Okay. Yeah, no, I think there's been an improvement. There's more and more restaurants that will have, you know, like a vegetarian, vegan, or even gluten-free section, which I can tell you two years ago even, you wouldn't have found that here. So probably coming in at the right time where people are thinking more about how to um, meet dietary requirements sort of across the board. Well, the thing that that is interesting to me about Accra in particular is when we came the first time, my husband and I stayed at uh, Movenpick, and we noticed there were so many... European and Western visitors. And I thought to myself, this is the perfect time. Because as those people are coming, they're bringing their gluten intolerances, they're bringing their lactose intolerance, they're bringing their vegan diets. And you want to be able to meet the needs of these Mm -hmm. people. So that's part of our plan, too, is to provide our our products to hotels and restaurants and things like that as an alternative. That's exciting. Um, do you know? Do you have a timeline that you can share of when Afkave will be open, or are you sort of? We have. We are still in the development. Still working on the renovation schedule. Okay. Um, it's supposed to take about six to eight weeks. So and that's quick. Well, you know that's the thing. It always takes longer, and it always costs more. Okay. So um, we're thinking probably October, okay. November. Well, is that's when, cool. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I'm, if I'm back in Accra, then I'll definitely be <laughs> on my way to try. Okay, I think this is a good time to take a break. And then when we come back, we really want to delve in the topic of the vegan lifestyle, like um, disease-sensitive eating and all of that good stuff that you'd shared earlier in your profile. All right, we'll take a short break, guys. And then when we're back, we'll talk about vegan, vegan, vegan. <laughs> all right. So we're back from the break. And like I mentioned before, I think now we want to delve into sort of the different types of expertise you have in, in healthy food. You've talked about wanting to make food that heals, which is why, you, you know, you do vegan, you do high alkaline, disease resistant. So I want to be able to sort of educate people because when you sent me your profile, it's the first time. And I think for me, even like semi-dabbling in the food world, like I was surprised by... You know, and so I did a lot of, I read a lot behind um, what you had shared, but I thought it would be really helpful for the audience, especially as you're trying to introduce sort of this diet and lifestyle to be able to set that um, foundation. Like this is what high alkaline means. This is what, you know, a vegan lifestyle is so that people understand the benefits so that when Akave opens, when your products are out there, there is that basis of um, understanding of why it's good, good for them. So mm-hmm. let's start with, vegan because that I think is the broadest and what people probably have heard before people talk about vegan people talk about Mm plant-based like what what are those separate things and then what are the differences people do use those terms interchangeably but that is incorrect because vegan means in its truest form vegan means that you do not consume anything that has a mother or father that came from oh. any kind of animal. Okay, including like eggs, that. right? So, including okay. eggs. So everything you eat literally... Oh, including milk also, because yes. milk comes So there's no dairy, there's no, um, no eggs, no fish, you know, anything that, that can breathe or did breathe at one <laughs> okay. given time, that is, it is not permitted in a okay. vegan diet. Plant-based in my opinion, and and, and by many people's definition, is someone who eats primarily a plant-based diet. They may eat things, they may eat fish or chicken or something like that from time to time, but in in very small quantities. And so you're saying that like 80 to 90% of your diet is plant-based. It's just a very, very small amount that actually comes from animal Okay. And so remind me then, so is Afkabe vegan or plant-based? Vegan. Vegan. Avocado, okay. Afro-Carib, vegan. Oh, that's right. Vegan. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, then. And then the other expertise you have is in high alkaline diets, mm-hmm. which is where I think it's going to start to get a little technical here. So high alkaline, what does that mean? Obviously, you know, it means not acidic. Right. Science. <laughs> so, I, and I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name correctly. It's Dr. Sebi or Dr. Sebi. Oh, yeah, but he is a gentleman from Honduras who... This was his thing, was talking about alkaline diet. And the belief is that, or the understanding is that disease grows in an acidic environment. Okay. So if you have a high alkaline um, system, if your system is primarily uh, processing highly Mm -hmm. alkalinized food, disease cannot exist in that environment. And some of the basic things in the world, I can't even say the American diet, the world diet that are high in acid are meat protein, are dairy, anything basically that's canned, um, processed foods, 
So, again, it's pushing you to, this is actually pushing you to a vegan yeah. diet, not plant-based. And so there are certain things that you can eat that are very, very good for you, like sesame is very mm. good for you, tahini. Um, chickpeas are very good okay. for you. A lot of grains are really yeah. good for you. Um, millet is good for you. African diet. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so it, it gets a little, it can be a little complicated because one of the things that, that, one of the challenges in the modern food world are there's so many foods that have been messed around mm-hmm. with. And Dr. Sebi also believed that things were hybrids or things were, um, um, they just weren't in their original form, like bananas. In, in the States, we have Cavendish bananas, which the average American thinks that that's what yeah. a banana is. They don't realize it was grafted and it was yeah. genetically modified and all this stuff I know, went into I, it. I remember, and mm-hmm. this is sidetracked, but a long time ago, I think probably one of the first times, one of the first few times I, you know, interacted, like had a deep conversation with an American when I first moved there. I don't know how many, probably like almost 20 years ago now. Um, where they were, ta- were talking about chicken. And, you know, in the U.S., primarily, you will not see, like, a whole chicken. You just see the, breast, you know, chicken breasts, the fillets or whatever. And this person had never seen, they did not know, like, what a chicken looked like. I kid you not, this was college. This is when I moved to U.S. college. I had shown them, I, I don't even remember what it was. I think it was a picture or something, a food, mm-hmm. like, my sister had sent, sent um, and they could not wrap their heads around the fact that that was chicken. Because in their head, like, chicken, chicken is... Chicken was a piece. Yeah. I, I know people that, you know, my husband is Haitian. And so he loves fish. Yeah. And to him, fish is it's a whole fish. fish. Yeah. <laughs> and I have people in my family that are aghast at that. Like, yeah. some, some American members yeah. of my family. They know fish to be a fillet. Yeah. And that is it. Like, they cannot yeah. cover it. Funny story, several years ago I was in Uganda, and this is before I was vegan, and somebody fixed some goat meat. Now, the West Indian side of me really knows goat because of curry goat. I tasted that goat, and it tasted so weird to me. But I realized I'd never had fresh goat meat before. All the meat I'd had had been slaughtered, frozen, shipped 5,000 miles, you know. And the taste of real goat was like, this is too goaty. Like, <laughs> I don't think I can eat this. <laughs> so yeah, our palates have are, are definitely yeah. distorted because a Cavendish banana, after you've eaten a real mm. banana, the sweetness yeah. is so delicious. And you go back and you eat a Cavendish, it almost has like a chalky yeah. flavor to me. But that is what, you know, that is not about nutrition, first and foremost. It's not about health. It's about how could we, how could we create mass, this banana yeah. so that it can travel across the country and not get bruised, so it has thicker skin, it has this and that. That, that should not be the foundation yeah. for what we're eating. But in yeah. many ways, it is. And it's so interesting now, and I'm sure you follow that now, like this whole food waste movement yes. in the U.S. and now people are trying to sell like ugly food or you know there's all these sorts of different business models that are trying to take that back and mm-hmm. say you know what I don't care if the banana is bruised like that's fine it's <laughs> well you know what's been interesting here and I am sharing with you I'm first generation American have traveled the world over and over but still I am primarily an American at heart yeah. in terms of of what I'm accustomed mm-hmm. to and coming here to markets I am so used to fruit and vegetable being pristine. <laughs> and if there's one blemish on yeah. it, 
it's gone. And so now coming into the markets, and if I see some parsley that is not like super green yeah. and super crisp, I like, you know, and then it's like Cynthia. I've become accustomed right. to, perf- to, to perfection, Perfect, yeah. not necessarily health, but the image of perfection. Yeah. So it's, it's taken it's, some retraining mm-hmm. with me too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in terms of we're going back to, I want to finish the conversation of on high alkaline because yes. I want that to be super clear to mm-hmm. people. So we've talked about it's, it's literally moving towards um, a vegan diet, you said. So Correct. if, Someone in Liberia, Ghana, for example, was thinking, how do I... Um, you talk about, you mentioned some examples of like millet, for example. Mm-hmm. But if, if I was someone sitting in Accra or in Monrovia, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, this sounds all, this all sounds good. Like it's going to you know, clear up my system. I'm going to feel really good. To, if I go out today to the market, what's easy, simple mm-hmm. for me to go out and say, hey, I'm going to... Yam, sweet potato. Yeah. Yam is a good thing. And, and I'll, I want to mention something about yam later. Um, beans, nuts, not ground nut. Not ground nut. Ground nut is, is highly acidic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's so, a tough one. So I'm going to ask you this then in, in a sort of devil's advocate way. Because um, there are some that will argue that isn't having a balanced diet. Sort of consisting of a little bit of everything, better for you and your body because your body also will automatically balance pH and all of that stuff based on what's going on inside of you, versus deciding to do a strict. I'm going to take all of this stuff out of my diet, and even if you think about people that do low carb, no carb, keto, what have you, mm-hmm. it it's almost about taking stuff out of what should be or could be a balanced diet versus saying I won't have groundnuts for example because it's not high alkaline. Versus could could I have a little bit of groundnuts and like still have like a wholesome full 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 diet and not feel restricted. Okay, so what we're talking about when we talk about somebody who is proactively pursuing an alkaline diet, mm-hmm. we are pursuing optimal health. Okay. Okay. So if you're pursuing optimal health, if you're being proactive and you are trying to eat a diet that is going to keep disease at bay, I'm going to use a, a basketball term here for my, <laughs> for my gentlemen listeners. You're going to go hard in the pain. Yeah. One of the challenges that we deal with is that oftentimes we are reactive. This is after the disease has come, after we've gotten the diagnosis for cancer or heart disease, right. then we decide... We're going to throw everything out and we're going to do this. What I am a proponent of, what I am suggesting is, yes, you can make baby steps towards this, Mm -hmm. but you still need to get there. Okay. Um, Moderation is key. Moderation is key. But there are still foods that are contributing to bad health. There is a belief that, and I I believe this as well, Mm -hmm. even though I'm not 100%, that everything you eat is either contributing to your health or is contributing to disease. Yeah. That's the reality. Okay. That really is the reality. Okay. And, you know, our, our bodies are fearfully mm-hmm. and wonderfully made, but we subject our bodies to so much abuse right. that it behooves us to be 
diligent yeah. about what we consume. So I'm going to say this. If I was going to go plant-based, mm-hmm. like my one staple in my head always has been, oh, at least I can have beans and plantain. Yes. And that for me is like my golden, like if I can have that for the rest of my life, I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But I thought you just said that beans, though, are not high alkaline. No, beans are, you can do beans. I can do beans. beans. There are certain Great. beans that are high alkaline, like <laughs> kidney beans. Um, some people call garbanzo beans or chickpeas. Yeah. Those are, um, yeah, those those are fine. Okay. But then you see, the, and, I, I, and I'm not sure if you've ordered that anywhere here in, in Accra yet. I have not red red? Yes, red I red. I haven't had red red yet. I guarantee you, 9.9 times out of 10, mm-hmm. they're going to ask you for what protein you want with the red red. They're going to stick chicken, goat, beef. And like that, even as the person that's growing up, you know, I grew up here, it still always baffles me. Like, why do we need, this is already like a protein-rich dish. Right. Why do we need to add the extra and then they'll put in like two or three pieces of goat or mm-hmm. beef or like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, and I think that that's where the challenge might come yes. in terms of changing mindsets around Absolutely. seeing, like, you don't need to see a piece of like meat in your food to... For it to be filling or for you know, for you to know that you're getting your protein, right? You know, food is comfort, food is love, food is tradition, food it takes you back to those it gives you those warm, fuzzy feelings. And people have a hard time with yeah. you trying to extricate them from those warm, fuzzy feelings. <laughs> even if that's contributing to, mm-hmm. to health issues. Yeah. And I have noticed that. Um, that there I've had I've had conversations with people about food here and they're like, Well, that's just the way we do it. And I'm like, but what if you just did that? But no, we don't do it that way. This is, what, And I'm like, okay, I understand that's how you do it. But I'm trying to introduce a new, and it's difficult yeah. to wrap your head around right. that. So that is definitely a challenge. Yeah. Um, but, but one of the great convincers is disease, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you can make that strong case, then yeah, people people should see the light. And I think we touched on this a little bit um, around flavor, you know, flavor profiles. But I think one of the things you've said is your goal is to make incredibly tasty food that's also good for you. So as you think about opening Afkave or educating Ghanaians, especially since you're going to be based here. How do you, and you mentioned that a little bit with, you know, the granite soup at the beginning, but how do you start to think about the African flavor profiles in, in a vegan diet to make sure that people can still appreciate, people don't feel like they are giving up something for taking on this lifestyle? Well, people of diaspora, we are used to well-seasoned food, so I think that is key. One of the things, one of my approaches to cooking is to build layers of mm-hmm. flavor. So that is the garlic, that's the onion, that's pepper, that's herbs, those things that go into it. There are a lot of people that just throw salt on food. That's that's not, it's not flavorful and it's not good for you. So there's so much. There is uh, the way we cook foods. We, we, we braise our meats. We, you know, we cook stews, things that, that you know, they kind of meld into each mm-hmm. other because they, they've been cooked over a period of time. It's using those same cooking styles, those same techniques, but you're just applying it to to vegetable yeah. protein. Okay. Um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed since I've been here are the mushrooms. There are bountiful yeah. mushrooms here. I know some people don't like its texture, but uh, in the States, the most, the mushrooms that you find most often are button or portobello. 
the the oyster mushrooms that you all yeah. have here are very expensive and they're not as readily available. They're everywhere here. So that is something that can really withstand stews yeah. and, and being cooked for long periods of time and it absorbs all that yeah. flavor. So it's just finding the things that are available locally and how how can they be translated to these dishes. No, no I think that's right. And and I think a big part of what you have to do, which I feel like I've said several times, is that education, right? I, I'm, not, I'm sure it's part that of your plan. <laughs> but I think that that's going to be, I, I think when people see plant-based or vegetarian, it just sort of, the brain shuts down. <laughs> which is part of why I think that some of our approach should be health and wellness and not right. necessarily harping on plant-based or vegan. Um, it's really exposing people to this and then them. You know, I didn't even realize I didn't have meat on my plate. I didn't right. even miss yeah. it. You know, I had a great meal. I'm satisfied. Oh, my goodness. There was not even yeah. any, you know. So so that's definitely going to be yeah. one of our ways to approach it. Um, so a lot of this also requires, I think, cooking at home, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just going to be hard to, to go out there, especially here, I think. And, I mean, you mentioned Coco Lounge and some other places, but that's not sustainable for every day. And so if someone that's thinking of transitioning to this lifestyle and considers themselves a very busy person, Mm -hmm. how do they start to approach this in terms of making the time to cook? Well, you know, it's your health. That's that's the first thing I said. We, we, We spoke, I say, we spoke about this earlier, is convenience is killing us. If you have to take two to three hours out of your day mm-hmm. on a Sunday and fix some staple items that you can eat throughout the week, mm-hmm. if you fix your, you know, um, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, watch, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. That is a nutrient yeah. dense dish. I'm glad that watch it is also on my list of potential plants. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. an awesome, yeah. awesome dish. So you can fix a pot of that. You can fix, um, you know, greens. I don't know how to pronounce the other one. Contum, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can fix that. There are so many things, if you really think about it, there are a lot of things yeah. in the diet that are plant-based, that are meat-free. People just add meat to yeah. it. So you can prepare those things and you can have them ready available. Fall back in love with fruit. Yeah. Fall back in love with there are so many things here that are available that are so delicious mm-hmm. because in America, we never taste yeah. pineapple that's fully ripened. Yeah. We never taste mango that's fully ripened, you know? So it's it's disciplining and it's taking the time for yourself. You deserve it. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up soon. I want, like, your final thoughts if someone is listening today, what's the one thing you want them to take away in terms of convincing them to move towards a plant-based lifestyle? And then maybe what's one thing they can take out of your diet today to start that journey towards becoming okay. plant-based? So people of the African diaspora, if you are sick now, it is likely because of your diet. People of the African diaspora, if you're going to get sick, it will likely be because of your diet. You have the power in your hand to not let that be your story. That does not have to be your end. There are simple changes that you can make. And so my first recommendation would be to start a meatless Monday. On Mondays, you don't have any meat. 
You you just do fruits and vegetables. It can you, it, it can be a day where you fast from meat. And then as time goes, if you're used to eating meat three times a day, then you eat it two times a day. Gradually mm-hmm. make changes, and not only you will feel so much better. You'll sleep better. Your skin mm-hmm. will look better. Um, you will your performance will go up gentlemen there are several things (laughs) that will be positively affected by the changes in these diets but i would say start with a meatless monday and then just kind of add on to that as you go along okay i i have to say that i've been convinced i have um i think especially the case on getting sick health and wellness i think that as we get older i mean i like i feel like i shouldn't have like back pain and all sorts of other issues that I'm only 30 something that I shouldn't be having and so I think you've made a strong argument because <laughs> remember I started at the top saying I'm gonna need a few strong arguments here but I think you've made you've made a great case and then also pointing out things that we already have in like especially in our local diet sort of like still being able to have red red still being able to have wache without the meat guys <laughs> um, I think should be um should make it easier to transition, if you will. Um, Absolutely. The future is in Africa. And the majority of Africans are, I believe, 35 or younger. So let's be prepared to really experience the best that Africa has to offer. You know, let's not let our diet or our bad habits get in the way of us and, and African excellence. Good stuff. Okay, so before we go into rapid fire, what's next for Afkave and where can people find you in Accra, on social media? So I can be followed um, on Afkave Ghana is the handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I am under CC Payon, C C P E A N. Um, that's my personal Instagram page. Um, we are doing a full promotional tour blitz. We're supposed to go throughout the 10 regions oh, nice. um, over the next few months, and we're going to be doing uh, like American-style picnics where we're going to be introducing oh, people to fun. the products and traditional, yeah. and traditional style and traditional soups, etc. So we are likely going to be somewhere in your area with these products. Um, you're going to have to stay tuned to our Afkave Ghana page to find out what's going on with Definitely. the restaurant and things like that. That's really going to be the main the okay. main um, yeah. way to find out what's going on is when we're going to be like in Kumasi or yeah. Volta or you know all those different places. Oh, cool! And I'll I'll put I'll put all of that in the show notes. So people have easy access to that. Okay, so it's time for rapid fire questions. Ooh. Those should be pretty simple. I think. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, so it's just top of your head the first answer that comes to mind based okay. on. Um, so red wine or white wine, or no wine. <laughs> I say no wine because I don't think that alcohol contributes to good health. So you literally really live that absolutely oh, nothing. I'm not saying that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. no, I, moderation. Moderation. Okay. But because I don't think that alcohol at the end of the day contributes to health. Right. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Um, British influence. <laughs> okay. Dine in or take out? Dine in. Cook with love and dine in. Okay. Morning person or night person? Morning person. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Uh, who's your dream African chef to cook with? 
There is a chef out of the UK who is actually Ghanaian. Oh, I think who's Ghanaian chef. Oh gosh, I can't remember her name right now. She's tall, she's light-skinned. I think she's biracial. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we can find that out and add that in the in the notes. Um, and then what's one ingredient you can't live without? Coconut milk. Oh. I love coconut milk. <laughs> okay. And then related to that, if you could live on one dish, so like one meal for the rest of your life, what would that be? Oh, wow. One for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really? Well seasoned rice. I I am the carbohydrate. Okay. Person, yes. <laughs> have you have it. you tried Nigerian jollof? Should we ask you okay. that question? <laughs> okay. I have tried it, and I will say honestly, Ghanaian jollof rice is better than Nigerian rice. Thank you. However, <laughs> Liberian jollof rice, uh, Liberian jollof rice. <laughs> Is the best. Okay. Ghanaian jollof rice is very, very good. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Um, and then lastly, what's your favorite African restaurant anywhere in the world and why? Favorite African restaurant? Oh, there's a great a- a restaurant called Africa Restaurant in Marietta, Georgia. Oh. And it's very, they, okay. it's like a pan African yeah. restaurant. It's delicious. Okay. They're really, really good. There's one that I like as well in Inglewood, but I think. In Inglewood, California, but this one in Marietta, Africa okay. restaurant is delicious. Okay, great. All right, well, thank you for your time. This was thank an you. absolute pleasure. Thank I learned you. so much, and I think I'm going to try to really transition. I don't eat a lot of meat, actually, so which I think is a good like mm-hmm. first step, but mm-hmm. I've been inspired to try to go a little to bit that. closer to that plant base. I'm glad to hear that. All right, thank guys, so, this is great. See you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Item 13, an Essence 13 production. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. To keep up to date on news and events from Essence 13, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Essence and the number 13. Thank you.